You're listening to Illini Life Audio, messages from a community of Christian believers on the campus of University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. For more audio and video content, visit IlliniLife.org. Uh, I'm going to pray before we get started. Uh, Dear Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for getting us up. Thank you for life. Thank you for your word for this church. I pray that the words this morning that you've passed on to us across thousands of years um, are still alive as we know, and that they work in each of our hearts to draw us closer to you. Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, Ephesians. So all the classic pictures of Paul, he's really old and has a long beard and looks like he's from the Renaissance or that period. I, I think they're projecting a little bit. I, I don't, I don't envision Paul this way, reading his writings. This doesn't, I mean, maybe that's what he looked like. We don't have very many pictures that survived. Um, <clears throat> but uh, this is the best I could get. <clears throat> so this is, that's supposed to be Paul. And he wrote, well, see, this is potentially also an inaccurate way to understand how Paul wrote most of the Bible. Um, okay, so I like to give, so next slide. So I like to give an overview. So this is Ephesus, uh, the Colosseum, what's left of it. So this is kind of small. I'll read these to you. So so this, if you walk away with only three things, this is what I want you to walk away with. So pay attention to this. I want you to understand that Paul is a man of the same substance as us. There's nothing that Paul was able to do that we are unable to do. That the power of God is at work in each one of us today. And that, I'm going to exhort you to choose faith in Jesus and receive God's eternal grace. So there's a lot of ground we're going to cover, a lot of things to learn, but focus on these if you space out. So again, Paul is a man of the same substance as us. The power of God is at work in each one of us today, and I want you to choose, and Paul and Jesus and God, choose faith in Jesus and receive God's eternal grace. Okay, so next slide. So we're in Ephesians chapter 3. If you would open your Bibles with me. This Bible is too big for the stand. So um, after exhaustive study, uh, one of the points I couldn't quite get is, if Paul was alive today, would he use Android or iPhone? And none of the commentaries shed any light on this. Um, and, and, but independent of that, we do know that Paul used advanced technology for recording his word. Um, and, and I, I have a demonstration, Peter. <clears throat> for this reason, I, Paul... And so a lot of the books that Paul writes were dictated and scribed um, by capable authors or uh, capable writers. Um, and, and so <clears throat> we understand the writings of Paul to be in some part, and it's debated, how much is dictated versus written. There's parts that say, clearly I write this with my own hands. But a lot of Paul's works can be understood in a... Uh, dictation sense and scribes. And so I wasn't really curious about whether Paul used Android or iPhone. I just wanted you to know 
he used people to write through him. So verse 1, if you have the chapter open, verse 1 and verse 14, which we're not covering today, except now, is the same starting point. For this reason, I. And so the rest of verse 1 through verse 13 are an aside um, that emphasizes certain points with Ephesians, but he comes back to his main point for this reason in verse 14. And so there's a little bit, if you just tried to read it, it doesn't quite make sense. It doesn't flow. Like, what's for this reason? And then Paul doesn't talk about that at all. And that could be confusing. So I was just pointing out that for this reason, I, Paul, and then he goes into something slightly different and then comes back to it in verse 14. Um, Thank you, Mr. Scribe. That's a very good work. So I imagine at this point, one way we could think about this, um, and and this is not in the text, And it's, uh, it's meant to emphasize the humanity of Paul, that when he said, for this reason, I, Paul, because Paul wasn't his Hebrew name. It wasn't the name he was born with. He was born with the name Saul. The name Paul is a Roman name, and he, he switched to that name during his ministry. The name Paul, beyond how you identify him, for, for him would represent his entire ministry to the Gentiles, because he isn't Gentile. He isn't of that lineage. He's Jewish. He is the most Jewish of the Jews, a Pharisee. And so when he says, for this reason, I, Paul, I could imagine that he has a flashback to his ministry. So Riley, if you want to go to the next slide. So these are some of the images that I found of Paul's ministry. And so he's dictating and he says, for this reason, I, Paul, and then he recollects his ministry to the Gentiles, and specifically considering the church in Ephesus that he's writing to, and he has, he has a lot of things to say. He's a very structured thinker, and, and he wants them to carry on in the faith. The last time we see the church at Ephesus mentioned um, in, in the narrative in Acts is in Acts chapter 20, when Paul is traveling back to be arrested He does know that he's going to be arrested. The Spirit has laid that on his heart. He's going to be arrested in Jerusalem. So he's traveling back, and he he stops by, and he can't go to Ephesus because there's not enough time. But he stops at a nearby city, and the elders come there, and they pray together, and he encourages them, and he exhorts them. And there's uh, tears shed for Paul because he tells them that he will no longer see them face to face. And so it it is equivalent to them that he dies then, because we don't have this concept of not seeing someone face-to-face. You can always call someone, send an email. Um, <clears throat> at least we think we can, you know. But, but Paul, Paul, this is the last time he sees them. So there's incredible heartfelt connection with Ephesus. And before that, he had spent three years at the church in Ephesus. First, he had been in the temple. And then he had been in the Gentile courts after the temple um, started talking poorly about Jesus. So he, he was in both worlds in Ephesus, the Jewish world and the Gentile world. And as J.D. talked about last week, in Christ, those are one. So Paul is unifying the Gentile and the Jewish world. And these would have been very separate culturally, um, <clears throat> what, what the Jews would have thought of who could be saved. And so they're, they're very separate and and they're one in Christ, and Paul lived in both. So he spent three years in the church at Ephesus. Um, 
Coincidentally, we have about three years together. Um, and then we'll never see you again. I mean, maybe we will. Maybe you'll come back. Maybe we'll meet. But, but it's not a dissimilar amount of time. Um, we're at an academic institution that has a, a, a thriving Greek life. You know, like, um, <clears throat> I guess this was Roman, not Greek. But. So, so there's a lot of similarities between the time that Paul spent with the church at Ephesus and the time we spend together on campus studying the Bible. <clears throat> and there's, there's tremendous emotionality built up with the people we're talking to, um, life change, and seeing how people launch. And so Paul's writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, um, deeply hoping and praying that they are walking in the truth. <clears throat> so when he says, for this reason, I, Paul, now we have all of this context welling up, and he's um, motivated to exhort them specifically on a few points. And we're going to go through this passage a couple of times, uh, a few times, and we're going to cover the passage from Paul's perspective, highlight a couple of keywords, theology, eternal perspective, and then how it applies to us. So we're going to go through it, and, and, and we're just going to go over the same thing, and that will help us bring some structure to that. <clears throat> I highlighted different sections for us to look at. So for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ. So he's a prisoner in Rome at this point in time. That means the letter was written uh, 62 AD, about 10 years after he was in Ephesus. On behalf of you Gentiles, specifically, he was arrested in Jerusalem because he was accused of bringing Gentiles into the temple. So this can be understood both that he brought Gentiles into the temple, but also his mission to the Gentiles is what led him to arrest. Assuming you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. So if they were so close, why would he say, assuming you have heard? Well, uh, Ephesus was a very large collection of cities, and there was disparate elements of the church, and it had been 10 years. So Paul's hoping those he's writing to have heard of this, um, but maybe not. As I have written briefly, so he's written many letters, and those were circulated in the churches, specifically of, of his conversion. So assuming you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to, be my, <clears throat> made known to me by revelation. So does anybody know how Paul's, how this was revealed to Paul? At the time, it would have been Saul. Anybody? Yes, Eleanor? There was a road. There was a really bright light on a road, and Jesus spoke to him. So it was directly revealed to Paul, uh, these mysteries. And when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. So he shares that freely. It was revealed to Paul. He shares it with us. He shares it not just with that church, but with us, you and me today, as we read this, we get insight into Paul's ministry, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations it has now been revealed to the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So he still addresses the Gentiles as a separate group. He is Jewish, and his ministry is to the Gentiles. So he says the Gentiles, not we are, it says the Gentiles are fellow heirs. And we'll cover this in more depth, but heirs mean you're inheriting something. 
And we also, being Gentiles, are fellow heirs with Paul and the church in Ephesus. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. So the gospel is the good news. So he was, he's made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. He counts his ministry part of the grace he receives from God. And I, I think that's really important for us to get. And we'll talk about this more when we apply this to our own life. But he considers his ministry a gift from God. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He considers himself the least of the saints. So again, Paul is emphasizing the fact that I talked about at the beginning where there's nothing special about Paul outside of the mission that God has called him to. So we're tempted to read, like, <clears throat> if you, we're going to watch uh, some of us athletes play an, a game, and I can never ho hope to achieve the physical feats that the least of those athletes will do today. Like, we're going to watch something, and it's going to be uh, just beyond us. There's no way we could attain it. Maybe some of you. I don't know. Um, but most of us, it's, there's, but, <clears throat> but Paul, when he speaks, there is nothing that he does, even though in certain respects, it far exceeds, uh, in most respects, far exceeds the athletic prowess that will be demonstrated today. All of that is accessible to us through Jesus and the gospel. So his grace was to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. We are part of this. We are being brought to light. We are understanding the plan of God through Paul and his writing. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purposes that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you to not lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So he wrote this, and <clears throat> some of the aside uh, here is that he is exhorting the Ephesians not to lose heart. So what are some of the reasons that the church in Ephesus may be tempted to lose heart? Peter? Yeah, that he's gone. Okay, we had an 11-year-old and a 9-year-old chime in. I, I think we can do better with everyone else. You know, they set the example. Great job. What are other reasons the church at Ephesus might lose heart? Persecution, persecution. What else? Paul, Paul's arrested. That's sad. Yes. <clears throat> so there's there's a number of reasons why the the church may lose heart. Um, Paul is writing this so that they do not lose heart. He's asking them not to lose heart. So part of the communication, whatever it is that they're experiencing that would be tempting for them to lose heart, Paul's asking them, because of this, do not lose heart. And we can hear that to us today, to not lose heart. I am suffering for you. This is not, Paul's, Paul's not 
having a good time in prison. Like, Paul's a pretty tough guy. He got stoned, lived. Stoned is where you take big rocks and drop them on people till they're dead. That happened to him twice, um, at least. And he got stoned and was able to not die and walked right back into the city to keep, keep preaching. Uh, uh, he was shipwrecked two or more times. Um, and he says he's suffering for you. So when a man that has gone through so much says they're suffering, they are. <laughs> I think he can d- discern that. But in spite of that, he encourages them not to lose heart for your glory. He, is see- he wants them glorified and brought to-, to Jesus with him. Okay, so let's talk about some of the terms in more depth. So one... A problem I can have with scripture is I will read into terms more than's there, more than is there, or try to make something more complicated. And so it's helpful to kind of look up terms and, and, and understand that scripture isn't magical. There's nothing that's supposed to be beyond our grasp. In this passage, there's two verses that directly say we're supposed to understand clearly what's being communicated, right? Verse four, when you read this, you can perceive my insight. Okay we should be able to perceive his insight, not some of it, we're to perceive his insight. And then also, it says, um, nine, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of mystery hidden for ages. So God wants us to understand. And, and so I, we'll break down some of these words. Um, Gentiles, the Greek word is ethnos, which means a multitude of people. Stewardship, okonomia, it's management of a household on behalf of someone else. Mystery, is the Greek word is mysterion, is a secret. Not something that's unknowable, but something that's hidden and then shown. Uh, revelation is apocalypsis. So like an apocalypse. And well, like that doesn't seem right. Well, well, the word apocalypsis means to be laid bare, to be made naked. And so revelation is to lay bare the mystery. Uh, apostles is... Uh, surprise, surprise, apostolosis. <laughs> and then prophets are prophetita, prophet, I don't know how to pronounce it, prophetetis, interpreters of oracles of hidden things, and the apostles mean messengers sent forth. Um, spirit of God is pneuma, which is breath, right? <clears throat> it's the spirit of God. Body is sysimosis, which is just a with the body, physical body together. Promise is referring to promises of God, um, starting with the promise to Abraham. Gospel is evangelion, which means good news. Um, Minister, deaconosis, where we get deacons from. It's one who executes the command of others. So look at stewardship and um, uh, minister and apostles. It's, it's action done on behalf of someone else. <clears throat> so Paul isn't doing this because he's decided these things are important. He is being sent. He is being directed. He is being informed. And, and, and all of Scripture is pointing towards the one who is doing that, informing and sending. Um, so grace is goodness, goodwill, kindness, working in this sense, um, the working of his power, 
that word in the New Testament is only applied to supernatural working. It's not out in a field. This is God or a divine entity <clears throat> working power. Power is dynamis, strength, power, ability. Um, dynamite, right? That's power. Um, saint is agios, which is holy and set apart. So in other parts of the Bible, it says Holy Spirit. It's the same word as here, um, agios. Um, there might be some different conjugation, but the idea is this is um, of all the holy. So saints are of all the holy, those set apart for God. Um, unsearchable. So this word, uh, I can't pronounce it. Um, it just means cannot be searched out. It, it just means if you look for it, you can't find it. Someone has to tell you about it. So the unsearchable riches of Christ or unfathomable, which that doesn't quite align, but the unsearchable riches of Christ mean you have to be told them. They, they, it's not, you're not going to come to this by logical deduction. Church, ecclesia. So this is a gathering and assembly. Lord, kairos, he to whom we belong and he who has the power of deciding. And then faith. Conviction of the truth of something. <clears throat> faith is the last point that I encourage us to have. We want, I encourage you to have faith in Jesus and accept the grace of God. So faith means conviction and belief of something. God has chosen to use faith to bring us towards salvation, specifically faith in Jesus. And the last phrase is lose heart, which is ekakito to be spiritless, wearied out, at the end of a long run. Okay, so that's the definitions. So the, the point there is to understand that Scripture shouldn't be impenetrable. If you don't understand a word, just look it up. I went to Blue Letter Bible, and I looked them up. They're all accessible. Um, and that this can help you with some of the topics. So next, next slide. Okay, so our third look in perspective is kind of the theology or the eternal perspective that Paul's getting at. <clears throat> so um, the first few verses, it talks about made known to be my revelation. When you read this, you can perceive my insight. Not made known to the sons of men in other generations has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. So we believe that we cannot come to faith without God speaking through his word to us to bring us the knowledge of him. So there's, there's, if you've, there's no amount of intelligence or study that could lead you to God apart from his working in your life. <clears throat> At the same time, we also believe that the canon, the gospel, is closed, which means we have complete understanding of everything we need to get to heaven. It has all been revealed. It has been laid bare, the path to God. And so we do not believe that God will speak directly through revelation that will extend what's in Scripture. And so at the same time God is speaking to us through revelation, he is not speaking to us through new revelation. So sometimes the Spirit will speak to you and, and, and bring words to light from the Bible. And he'll have a brother or sister speak to you and it will, will, will encourage you. <clears throat> it won't ever conflict or amend or change what's in the Bible. And this is an important point to understand. And, and here it's emphasized because it has been revealed to his apostles and prophets. 
The apostles were the group of people who walked with Jesus, and the prophets were those who proclaimed Jesus. And so here it <clears throat> talks about um, this mystery was made known, and it is brought to us through the writings and the preachings of Paul. So of this gospel, I've made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. Um, again, again, we don't want to consider working of power in God. Like, let's consider what happened in Paul's case. So he was blinded on the road, and, and God did that. God spoke to him, and then he spoke with another believer. It said, go talk to Paul. And the other believer said, that, that seems like a bad idea. He kills us. Like, and God's like, nope, go, go talk to him. And that other believer was faithful, and he went and said, Paul, uh, God sent me to you. Uh, you're blind, so I guess you're safe. And so Paul's eye, and he prayed, and, <clears throat> and he prayed for Paul's eyes and vision came back to him, uh, which would be like taking the muzzle off of a great white shark or something. I don't know. Um, like this, this guy has been ravaging the church. Saul at this point, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> But so the working of power in Saul's life to become Paul was this uh, forceful revealing of the truth to him in a unique way. This working of power takes place in each of our lives. Um, as evidenced even right now, listening to the word of God read, God is using his power to work in your heart and your mind. Um, the word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It won't return void. Um, God's power is working in you today. He wants to draw you closer to himself. So to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Uh, I'm amazed that I get to also partake in this. As we preach to each other, we get to share this unsearchable riches of Christ with one another and carry on the same mission that Paul has. <clears throat> um, and the Gentiles, again, are people. There's, there's Jews and then there's ethos, like not Jews. We are ethos. Like, so we get to preach um, uh, the unsearchable riches of Christ as they've been revealed to us. And then in verse 9, uh, <clears throat> sometimes we can forget how amazing and powerful and big God is. And, and I'd encourage you not to do that. So in verse 9, God who created all things. So we don't just happen to exist. Like, our society is bombarded with um, messages that the universe has always existed, or there isn't a God, or science and God are in conflict. And we should remember that God created all things. Uh, understanding how God created all things is a wonderful uh, pursuit uh, of understanding God, but we know that God created all things. And when you hear messages that, presume that God doesn't exist or that God is sort of secondary or mythical, um, push back against those and know that those are lies. God created all things so that the, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. <clears throat> so God created all things and he's a lot wiser than I am. I would not have entrusted my message to these fishermen across all of time. Like you have the most important thing to do and you have a bunch of, like, freshmen that can't even wake up on time. <clears throat> and, and they smell bad, right? And you're like, you guys, you got this. Like, this would not be my plan. 
maybe not even freshmen, I don't know, prospective students. Like, like the fishermen were not the best. I, I just, I, like, but this, it's saying this is the wisdom of God. And so if it doesn't make sense to you, it's good because you don't have the wisdom of God. What's bad is if you decide you have more wisdom than God because that means you won't ever get the wisdom of God because <clears throat> you'll blind yourself to it. And, <clears throat> and so if, 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 if the world isn't trying to convince you that God doesn't exist, they'll say things like, well, now that we have medicine or now that we have AI or now that we understand science, we know more than God. We know more than the people who wrote the Bible. We know more. We are better than <clears throat> it will come to naught. Like, God designed all of this. The, if you abide by any of those thoughts, it's as best as acknowledging God doesn't exist. Like, God created everything. His wisdom is playing out and is evidenced by, well, I, I can see how it played out. I still wouldn't have chosen the disciples, right? And, and so the reason God chooses these people is so that his wisdom might be made known. And there's no way this group of people would have been able to make his wisdom known. So clearly, there must be something more than those people at work. And this emphasizes the point that God's power is at work within us and that Paul is of the same substance as us. <clears throat> and the reason why it's important to understand Paul is of the same substance as us is because everything Paul is doing in this letter and everything that Paul is capable of doing should be examples for us. So verse 10, and I'm not going to cover this in too much detail, um, but through the church, the manifold wisdom of God may be known to who? The rulers and authorities in heavenly places. So the work of the church isn't just for us here on earth. God's wisdom is being made known in heaven and across all of the universe. Um, and, and there isn't much given to us on what this entails, just to know that God's purposes are much bigger than we can fathom. And then in 11, this is according to God's eternal purpose. So God didn't just, he didn't just like figure it out as he goes along. This was his plan all along. Your faith, your life, everything was intentionally chosen. So the idea that we're just random chance is again a lie. It's meant to deceive us from the truth. So verse 12, in whom we have the boldness uh, to access with confidence through our faith in him. So we believe that through Jesus, we have full access to the Father. Um, he tore down the wall by paying the penalty for our sins so that we can come to God and, and know him in the same way that Jesus was in relationship with him. And, like, that's hard to believe, too. Like, how can I have the same relationship with God that Jesus had with God? And Jesus prays that for us. And it's through our faith in Christ, which I encourage you all to take, that we get that access and, and, and have confidence and boldness. All right, <clears throat> last time through. Um, I'd like to, to, to start this section. The, the last point is to choose faith in Jesus and to receive God's eternal grace. So God presents us all with a choice to believe in him as our Lord and Savior or to not. Today, you're hearing this choice. It has been presented to you. 
Some of you have chosen to have faith in Jesus, and others of you have not. This is the most important choice you can make. You're being led to knowledge of God. And there's all sorts of reasons why we may not choose to believe in God. Maybe I'll choose to believe in it later. Maybe it's inconvenient. Maybe I want to do my other thing. Maybe I'm afraid of what I'll lose. Um, Maybe God isn't real. These these are good reasons uh, to think through, but you need to choose faith in Christ. Because that's true. And, and just because you don't believe in something doesn't make it untrue. When you die and you are standing before God in judgment, he is real and there. <clears throat> These are important things. Also, if you don't choose to have faith in God, what are you having faith in? We were created by God to have faith. We were made and shaped by God to believe in him and have faith. So what are you putting your faith in instead of God? It's not not believing in God by itself. It's I'm going to believe in this instead. Are you believing in yourself? Are you believing in a false God? Like what are you choosing instead of God of the Bible? And how is, how is that belief supported by anything as much as the Bible? It's not choosing not to believe in God. It's choosing to believe in a lie. Don't make that choice. If you have questions about the Bible, approach it. You won't be disappointed. There's nothing untrue to discover. The wisdom of God is across all eternity, and it is accessible. God wrote his Bible to be understood. If you have chosen to put your faith in God, then I direct your attention to this that's down here in verse 12 and 13. Have boldness and confidence through our faith, faith in Christ to access God. So don't be timid. Don't be timid. Paul was not timid, but he was afraid. He was cautious. He had all the aspects of humanity. There's, there's reasons why we would be concerned, very real reasons. Like we might be embarrassed. We might be persecuted. But we have boldness and confidence through our faith in Jesus to overcome those things. And then we'll also respond to Paul's request that we do not lose heart. Um, It can be tempting to be wearied out by the faith. Um, It can be tempting to wrestle with someone for years, a roommate, a family member, and, and think that they're close to accepting Christ and then they turn away. That can be very wearying. Do not lose heart. Paul's asking us, and, and I'm asking you, and uh, through Paul reading his word, let's not lose heart. Let us encourage one another as long as it's called today. <clears throat> all right, final recap. Well, I guess two, two slides. So <clears throat> these are all the slides superimposed together, and uh, if you want to study the Bible, it's very easy to like go through and ask some of these questions, highlight And then you can take a complicated passage because, as J.D. mentioned, this is like Romans distilled down. There are so many ideas that Paul is just pulling from and experiences that it can be daunting to go through it. But here we talked about all of these different things and have a context for them 
um, because of just walking through it in a simple, simple way. Um, and then next slide. Finally, the three points that I talked about, I want you to remember that Paul's a man of the same substance as of us. The power of God is at work within each one of us today. And please choose faith in Jesus and receive God's eternal grace. All right. Uh, could I have the band come up while I close this in prayer? <clears throat>